Yeah, true. I mean, right. it, was, it was painful to watch in some cases. Just speaking of painful, let's get this show on the road. <laughs> I, I, you said it, not me. We got a lot to talk about. No, not really. This should be a short one. I don't give a damn. I just tortured. I just cursed us. You ready, JD? Yeah, I'm good, man. Whatever. I don't know what's going on, but hey, that's cool. <laughs> Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want, you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotion. Can you imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally imagine that. I'm no sure one, somebody's written that one Quarter pounder with cheese in France, Mickey. <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, ale with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. I can totally. See? I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my, my progeny to you, a mighty Marvel beast. <laughs> <laughs> But Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's, it's my time. Uh, how do you measure success? Hey, everyone, and welcome to Superheroes Speak. I'm yours, Dave. And John. Chidi. Ah, the Christmas season is upon us, fellas. How are you guys doing? How are you, JD? I'm good, man. Um, super busy. Wrestling has been very eventful. I had four straight days of coaching. We had three high school events your son did well my son did well today we but we also hosted the tournament so i had to help set it up and tear it down and i had to go to my classroom and make silk screens for shirts and speak of the devil where he <laughs> may he appear. appears what's up well oh, you do spider-man oh it's the scarlet spider we're going through a scarlet spider thing right now. Uh, oh nice <laughs> i do he's got thumbs up ben riley's the best big ben riley fan yes big ben riley fan yeah he yeah <laughs> close the door buddy thanks so yeah he did good today he won his first tournament cool yeah, congratulations yeah I'm very proud of him it's he awesome wrestled. he wrestled well he woke up this morning and was like it's tournament time he was so fired up and then before his first match last year he didn't get nervous before he didn't know what was going on this year he's like dad i'm nervous i'm like that's okay buddy everyone gets nervous the truth was i was terrified for him like yeah it's oh, of way course. more nerve it's way more I mean, he's six and i'm getting nervous before he wrestles matches like that doesn't matter like it's just wild to me but yeah yeah my daughter was on a swim team when she was i want to say eight or nine and uh she just wanted to swim she didn't care about it but yeah i, I and she never got nervous but i was like wait how's she gonna do where's she gonna uh place well it's like you know his dad's the coach yeah so i mean like there's and like he knows all the high school boys and like they've all kind of like looked after him since he was little so there's like i worry about him with pressure and stuff like that but um he seems to be doing okay with it he just wants he just wants to win you know yeah just fun. like his dad his dad likes winning <laughs> dad likes winning a lot cool well that's 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 good to hear how about you john what's new in your world uh nothing really um just trying to wind down the year kind of tired of this year i want a new one the warranty in this one's run out um 
my 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 battery died. I I've had Subarus for so long. My battery dies, and I uh, I, I I jump it for the second time in like two weeks, and it turns out that uh, like when a battery dies on a Subaru, the the computer forgets how to uh, yeah. mix the like I had never heard of that. I'm not a car guy, um, but now I know. And the other thing is that there is a huge uh, was it uh, um, what do you call those uh, legal things where like everybody's in on it. Class action. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Class action. There's a huge class action lawsuit for for some kind of electronics in servers, <clears throat> where if you take a lot of short trips or something, something, something software, uh, it drains the battery completely. I had had mm-hmm. a new battery only a year ago. So, like in the middle of a really hectic week, I had to get my car towed because it, it forgot how to drive, <laughs> which is just just awesome. I love technology, and um. And yeah, uh, it literally forgot to eat. That's what it did. It forgot to eat. It forgot how to eat gas. Um, so, uh, you know, in the midst of all that, I uh, basically had to, uh, you know, put finish putting up the lights, which you can see in the background. Of course, you people that are listening can't see that. And I've got, <laughs> and I, I finished my uh, Christmas shopping and now I've got my uh, living room all set up for wrapping and I've got about 70 presents to wrap. So really fun. John O'Grady, DC. I mean, DJing, DJ, wiki, 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 whack, <laughs> rapping, DJ John, OG on the ones and twos. I'm about, I'm about forty, nah, okay. maybe fifty percent done my Christmas shopping. So it's been it's been a weird Christmas though. It's like by last year I had everything and I had everything wrapped already, and this year there's like I'm fighting with like three different companies to see if they're going to. Like I ordered everything in the middle of November and they're still like, I may not quite be there yet. I got a delivery. Like, so I ordered a lot of stuff from Amazon. I got the first delivery today and I went through the list of what was supposed to be in there and I opened it and two things were missing. I'm like, are you kidding me? One of the things that was missing was a hard drive. What? Ooh. For my son wanted a new solid state drive for his, uh, his gaming computer. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So long story short, they were going to replace it. But like trying to deal with Amazon's customer service is a pain. In the <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's the holidays. Merry freaking Christmas. I mean, <laughs> JD, are you ready for Christmas? Snow's coming down Christmas. I don't know. I have no idea. This is re- <laughs> this is wrestling season. That's all my brain's ever on. The wife's taking care of all the Christmas. Oh, I see how it is. I don't know how you juggle all that. I really don't. But Me neither. Like... <laughs> I don't either. I had to go to I had to go to class. <laughs> there I am talking about myself again. Um, I had to go. To, <laughs> oh, I had to go. I had to go to class. Get to that right. <laughs> I had to go to class twice over the last two days just to get stuff ready so the kids can finish their final. Cause like okay, so we do screen emulsions. You guys ever do? You guys ever do silk, silk screening for T-shirts? I've never done it, but I understand the concept. I have never done it either until I had to teach it this year, and <laughs> then I had to figure it out. I've actually gotten to understand it pretty well. Well, I was gone for a tournament last week, so I had my higher level students create the screen. The I pour the emulsion on the screens for the lower level graph from my graphics one students. That's just how it's done in the class. So when I was gone, I said, "Okay, you guys know what you're doing. I need this done." Well, they left the emulsion out. Like with the mm. lid off. So um, again, still new at this. So I put the emulsion on for the next round of screens and it wasn't coming off. So I had to buy new emulsion and, and we were running out of time because it's all just kind of like 
time set, right? Yeah. So I had to like reset this for all these kids and redo it on my own. And you know, you know, teachers don't work hard enough as well. <laughs> <laughs> no. That I, I that is that and what that, what are you making bad. with the t-shirts? What like t-shirts, what? that's like their final project is they do make a t-shirt. They design a t-shirt and they Adobe design Illustrator. it. Okay, that's what I meant. They like, design it in Illust- yeah, they design it in Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator, and then we print them out on the positives and then they have to um paint the t-shirts. You know, they have to use the silk screening process right. to um use a black and white t-shirt. So, you know? so you're teaching them how to do merch drops when they're YouTube like dude you should be, you, <laughs> honest to god you should see how many of them did shirts to promote their youtube pages or their instagram it was hilarious there's several of them that that are there's several kids that are doing these classes because that's what they want to do i i uh, i weep for the future of humanity we're our podcast who are we to point who are we to say that about anybody yeah it's true <laughs> we're the problem that's how at believe me this this job this was part of my resume was the fact that i've been co-hosting a podcast for five years <laughs> Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> we are the problem. Yes, <laughs> we've done nothing but te- my kid wants to be a YouTuber. Yeah, right? but we we also have real jobs though, right? All of us. They don't get it. They don't get that's real jobs. That this <laughs> stuff is a hobby. Yeah. You know, they think that they're going to make millions doing this. That's, hey, I and, thought about and, it filmmaking. I thought I was going to be a millionaire. That's the problem. Is that then? That's what I was going to get at. Is that there are so many of like not so many, but like these people who make it big, right? Who who get popular doing something on youtube and they make money off of it and then everyone thinks oh i can just do that right and i've heard people argue it's like well that's a job it's like it's a job if you can make money at it it is a job if you can make if you can find a way to make money good for you because i mean that's a hard it's a hard thing to do like the paul brothers i'll never i mean like they have questionable things in and of themselves but as far as like what they do to make their living good for them like yeah it's and hard it's hard to cultivate a following. And it's a crap show. It, it's a crap shoot. It's a total crap shoot. Like Oftentimes whether or not, it's a crap show. But yes. They, they, well, yeah, you have the Logan Paul, right? So, but the, the thing is, like, yeah, it's you never know what's going to pick up. So no. like you can't you even if you work as hard as anybody's ever worked in that field, you probably still the won't only, get there. It's it's like being a millionaire. You you just you're either born into it or you just happen to have the right whatever, but it's mm-hmm. just but that's it, it's, you know. I mean, it's funny, right? It's you can't count on it. The internet has removed the barrier to entry for the most part for a yes. lot of creative ventures. Not just not just the internet, but I mean digital revolution of twenty years right. ago, right? The barrier for entry is a lot smaller. Like we're doing this on high powered laptops that you know thirty years ago would be like fiction, right? right. Yeah, like in, in like webcams that are pretty solid. Like the barrier to entry is just cheaper, and the internet has made learning these things far more accessible. So. You know, right but that also levels up the competition everybody's right, trying it right not only that like they're comparing it to like music there are a ton of extremely talented musicians mm-hmm. who are still playing in a garage with their friends yeah for sure because it's there's a there's an aspect of this that people don't talk about because everyone's like oh no it's it's hard work i gotta work really hard at it it's like yeah you gotta work really hard at it but there's also an aspect of luck and hitting the right thing at the right time. But that's been the case of mu- of musicians and filmmakers for decades right. now. Like and sometimes you just and, get lucky. Yeah. And actors and some yeah. sometimes you just get lucky. And the thing is though if you are lucky, if you're just lucky, you wash away. Like one hit wonders, man. We hear about them all the time. And same with filmmakers. Got uh Michael Cimino, like he made The Deer Hunter. This brilliant film. Followed up with The Gates of Heaven. Nobody heard from him again. You know, like these things happen. If you're actually talented, you'll stick around 
If not, you'll get your 15 minutes. And boy, Warhol was right about that 15 minutes thing. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. real. It still, it still holds water today. Hey, mongrel. Sorry. <laughs> Visitor. I mean, it's funny because this came up actually in conversation this week. There's a band. When I was heavily playing in bands 20-some years ago, um, there was a band, a bunch of kids. JD walked away because he's dealing with a dog. Uh, <laughs> there was a bunch of kids in a band called Silvertide. Uh, who were in great the name? Scene. What? That's a great name for a band. They were they were in the scene with us. Um, in fact, their lead singer Walt uh, couldn't play in some clubs because he was underage at the time. So they did a showcase here in Philly. Got picked up um, for a ma- major record deal. Had a video on MTV. Did a tour, but they were a very classic rock vibe sound. So this was early two thousands. They were a little early because now look at Greta Van Fleet is one of the biggest bands out there and they're very similar in sound, but Silvertide just like, they just wasn't the right time. But they, I remember watching these kids when we were in the band, because I say kids, because they're a good, uh, you know, eight to 10 years younger than me and my brother and, and the lead singer of our band. And it was like, these kids have talent. Like they had the it factor too, but they just did not hit at the right time. The sound wasn't the right. For what people were listening to my cousin-in-law <laughs> my cousin-in-law uh in the mid 90s signed he was a drummer for a band called the pulsars you've never heard of them but they signed a major record label contract and people thought they were going to be big like they had a video that was on mtv uh, 120 minutes i think was the matt pinfield alternative show yes was, yeah, yeah. So we had a video it was awesome it was so cool to have like my cousin-in-law's band like on this and people thought they were going to be big and they didn't quite make it and i just i rediscovered their stuff in the mid-2000s and i put it on and it had a very like retro 80s sound yeah which was cool but in 1995 or 1996 it that work. wasn't the right sound it yeah, wasn't right. like they came around either too late or too early because again they had a retro 80s sound so in the 80s it probably have been fine and in like 2005 when that retro 80s thing was cool again it probably would have worked but they came out they were wrong place wrong time and like they weren't even a one-hit wonder they just they were one of those bands that gets signed that you never really hear from yeah i think the problem with podcasting there's lots of problems with podcasting Hmm. like it did start out being something like just regular people doing it and you know some people it hit some didn't but then like all of a sudden comedians and celebrities started like oh i'm gonna do a podcast that's what everyone's doing and then you know like i wouldn't say joe rogan was a huge star before his podcast oh he was i mean depending on what circle you like he was always kind of a middling comedian but i mean he's real big in mma because he's been he's been the voice of the ufc for 20 years he had something to build he had that to build yeah, on he was on, that's he what was i'm on, saying like he had a following and then yeah, ends up with the biggest podcast mm-hmm. um who, the the what you call it the nerdist uh um chris hardwick chris hardwick was already had a following as mm-hmm. a comedian he had like one of the biggest pod obviously kevin smith it's like mm-hmm. So, like, how do you get, you've been doing this for almost 10 years. How do we get into this space? <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's tricky. You got to build that following. You got to be good. Like, like I, think, oh. I think, I think we're, well, I think we're good at what we do, but I mean, like, um, I don't know. Like if I, I clearly, if we apparently this to be better, uh, apparently people beg to differ though. Um, <laughs> no, they like you. I was going to say, they like you. 
I, I feel special. I'm the only one that didn't get picked on by the audience this week. Yeah, I know. They, we got they, buried. They hate, they hate me, and <laughs> I, I, I don't know where the JD thing comes from. I really have oh, no I, idea. I, I do. I get it. <laughs> I understand. So, um, boys and girls, it's time for social media madness because you know, John um, and I because, bury this every week, and we take we took the brunt this week of of thoughts. So, yeah. <laughs> And and madness is quite apropos this time around. I mean, um, this first one, uh, this is so special. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> um, Tay Frost said, "Been listening to the show for about a year now. I really enjoy it. It's become one of my top podcasts. But guys might want to consider replacing or making JD part time. It's annoying that he." <laughs> Maze is unavailable, and he's a bit of a conversational narcissist. First off, what the hell is a conversational narcissist? It is someone that tends to make things about them. I don't think I do that. No, I you do. don't. No, I, do. I, I, I actually I, know conversational narcissists. I not do. You. T- I do tend to say, okay, I know a story about. I'll, I'll tend to tell. Yeah. I'll tend to tell stories that I'll tie back into something that I know or that I've seen or whatever. So. Um, my wife thought it was hilarious. Everyone I know thought it was hilarious. I put controversial narcissist on when I retweeted because I thought it was funnier. But I mean, I, in all, doing all honesty, like if that guy likes the show but doesn't like me, that's perfectly fine. Like we we go out of our way to try to put ourselves out there and try to make yourself a bit of a public mm-hmm. figure, and that comes with criticism. And you're not going to get everybody to like your stuff. Like I've gotten some. I'm doing it again. Um, I've gotten some <laughs> book reviews that haven't gone very well. I get most of them are great, but I get some mm-hmm. that are just like this sucks. And it's like that's okay if you're if you're if you have something to say and everybody and everybody likes it, then are you really saying anything? Right? Like, right? Again, I'm perfectly I'm perfectly fine with somebody not liking me or my taste kinda... on stuff. That's fine. Like, the buyer beware. Like, you know, um, I kind of feel like. When we do a show and we all agree, it's boring. I agree. I mean, you have to have that. And again, my way of, my way of, and I do this a lot in coaching too, is I tell stories, right? I'm a writer. It's what I do. Like, and I tend to shape things. Okay. This is like this. And if you don't like that kind of thing, you're more than welcome to this guy. I think it's funny. They created, they created that up. Uh, I was going to say account in, um, this month. I'm like, wow, they did this just to, I, it, it feels funny. like they created the account just to do it, which makes me wonder is it someone maybe you know or we know? I don't know. It's no, I don't think so. I think I mean like because they didn't tag me, right? They just said, which is fine. They didn't want me to see that, and I never would have seen that had you not tagged me. Oh, of course I'm going to tag you. Well, it's I mean, come on. They can, they can no, but they cannot like me. That's I don't need everyone to like me. Like I yeah. prefer it, <laughs> but I mean like if you really there's something about me that you don't like. I mean I don't like Joe Rogan, and he's the most successful podcaster in the world. So I mean like that's perfectly acceptable for someone not to dig what I do. I do find it funny that it, the po- the post had one like, and it was from my co-host from my wrestling show that <laughs> saw that, <laughs> liked it, and retweeted it. And I'm like, you are a bastard. I hate you. Right. So so let's start off. My response was thanks for feedback, but JD isn't going anywhere for now. O'Grady, on the other hand, might need a talking to. Dot, dot, dot. I thought that was funny. And I have, and like, it's not like I missed the show, but we do this on Sunday nights. And there's sometimes you can't do it on Sunday nights, Dave, being the leader and the guy who records the show. Right. I have practice on Mondays. So so that's what I'm going to say. I want to clear the air right there. Like, JD's busy on Mondays. 
and I'm the one that screws things up by having something on Sunday. So I want to switch to Monday. So then JD can't make it. Luckily, we have a lot of friends in the community that are, can step in a lot of times. But yeah, like it's fine. It's, fine. it's perfectly fine. If you don't like me, that's OK. I doesn't it didn't bother me. I didn't get upset. I laughed. That's why I retweeted it. My wife thought it was hilarious. You know, um, it was Matt, funny. I don't know who Matt Davis is. He said, God forbid, Jade. I went to high school at Matt Davis. Oh, okay. So God forbid JD has a life outside of the podcast and is unavailable. It makes me sound like I've been on the show all the time, you know, like, but there are times, I mean, there are times like, again, like I missed some, I missed my wrestling podcast last week because I was on the road traveling. I mean, like, I get it. If you don't, if it bothers you that the show, the, the hosts aren't the same, that's okay. And maybe he disagreed with me on the last week's uh, John and JD headbutt session. Oh, well, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. I, I, I threw a reply up there and said I was really insulted that nobody thought it was me after last week. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks. Thank you. Thank you for the opinion. I I appreciate it because I'm trying to get better too, right? Exactly. We all got to get better at what we do. I'm, I think I we all need to get a little more narcissistic. I, I don't have that problem. Apparently. That's just that's just the thing, though, is part of podcasting is being a bit narcissistic, right? Absolutely. That's you have to want to talk about yourself. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. you have to be a narcissist. You, to do you can't things. do it without that uh, that component. Well, that's why I, well, I'm going to fight. I'm not going to say I'm not a nurse. I mean, like, of course, I think I mean, like, you have to be willing and enjoy putting yourself out there to do the things that we do. And like, quite frankly, I do this for a lot of things. So, you know, again, I, I take the criticism. I get it. I don't disagree with it i don't know if i agree with the application in this process but again to each their own thank you for listening thanks for the download we appreciate it <laughs> all right um i'm gonna skip over the next one real quick because that one is kind of about me um so everyone knows last week we kind of had a fun conversation <laughs> i said before the show this is gonna be a short episode i was wrong uh about <sighs> gatekeeping anime is that the safe way to put it jade uh, john <laughs> no because i don't think i'm gatekeeping <laughs> stick to your guns no no i seriously you wouldn't call cinderella anime just like you wouldn't call my hero academia anime animation right there is somewhere between those two a threshold although for different people it's a different it's a different threshold but there is a threshold on. somewhere isn't it all animation, but like you're breaking up into subgenres? Like it's animated. Yes, but the thing is that I mean, historically, anime has been Japanese anime. Now that term is Japanese animation, much, right? Right, but but it also it also includes a whole treasure trove of tropes, of of types of dialogue that sort of thing of this fan service this is but, why i hate labels because like you put labels on things and then, then it becomes the the minutia of well, what is what well i know but but here's the thing like over the years i've been thinking about this since last week over the years the term anime has been broadening and there and you know just like we had this quote unquote discussion i'm using air quotes we last week we had a right? talk it was a good talk but but there's been a huge and i'm using air quotes again discussion in the anime computer community about what the term anime applies to because now you've got anime quote unquote coming from China and India. You've got other, other countries that are getting into this. And then you've, now you've got Netflix um, bankrolling stuff and now Disney's trying to get, so the term is broadening, but there's still some 
threshold. And I guess, you know, again, it's going to differ for different people, different subsets of the community as to where that threshold is. But there is a threshold between what is considered anime and what's considered Western animation, right? <clears throat> like the, 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 biggest, the biggest discussion I heard about that was um, with uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, whether or not that was considered anime. All right, so well, so hold on. Let's get to some of these tweets. <laughs> we get a lot on this one. The Gorilla oh, Brain podcast definitely. said, "Can someone let Old Man Grady know that Akira Toriyama allowed the ocean dubs to happen, super edited, watered down for American audiences, and didn't release them uncut in America until August of 2000?" That's Ray, by the way. That's our friend. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, but the but the but the Funimation dubs um were way before that like there were there were three two other two other dubs and they are like i remember i remember when they switched from one dub to another and that was in the mid 90s like it's been it's been broadcast in america since since i think probably early 90s maybe even late 80s just after it started airing in japan because it was so popular um randy said i feel gatekeeping always diminishes the community See, everybody's saying I'm gatekeeping. I don't think I am because again, there is there there will right. be for each person, for 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 most people, there's like thresholds of between Western animation and anime. Like but, but the fact that there's no but the fact that you're defining them is what is what I think is what people are interpreting it as gatekeeping. Yeah. Well I so know, hold, but, on. hold on. I know someone has to keep those gates. Let's let's <laughs> hold on. There's there's more. There's more. Hold on. So Kassan Warren, who we haven't heard from in a while. Uh, I was getting worried about you, Kassan. We gotta uh, get him on the show sometime. He always has thoughts concerning this. Okay, so first off, he had a he had a like a long tweet here. So concerning the streaming wars, a lot of everyone thoughts. is sleeping on Paramount Plus. They have over forty six million subs and have plans to invest billions in content next year. I need you guys to really check out Strange New Worlds. He has been beating that drum. We need to do it. I'm not kidding. I will not get. This is personal. I will not invest. <laughs> In Paramount Plus until the new Frasier. Okay, all right, all right. Oh, uh, that would be a reason for me to drop it. <laughs> I, I love Frasier. It's the great. It's one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, and my wife loves it too. So I don't have a choice. We're going to be getting uh, it when that happens. Okay, so here we go. Concerning Disney Plus's partnership with Con Kandash, I, how do you say it, John? Kandasha, Kandansha, Kandansha, Kandansha. I don't think Disney is buying IP. I think they're using Kandasha's and expertise to anima. Anime as I, oh Anima, my God. Anime eyes? Anime, anime eyes. That's hard okay. to say. Disney okay, IP. I like this decision. Star Wars as, as animation has produced some great stories. The only thing I hated was the animation style. I don't think that's what that says in the press release, though. They pretty make it, they make it abundant in the press release that they're going to create new stuff. New stuff, right. Right? Okay. I can see the animes. Anima Animation of Disney IPs such as Marvel and Star Wars. There are already an X-Men Japanese anime series. There is. I like what they did that with that product. You ever see the uh remember the X-Men TV show, right? From the 90s? The anime like the they did the intros different for the Japanese version, where it's far more like um animeized for lack of a better term. <laughs> and it absolutely I don't rules. Know if that's a term. I, it is now. We well, just, well like, yeah, because anime yeah. always has like well, Kassan, are, 
Anime uh, is littered it. with awesome intros. I'm taking credit. Um, that's what I do. Uh, no, it's awesome. <laughs> You're a narcissist. Because like, I'm a narcissist. Just a puppy. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no but actually, for the old X-Men show, they they had it. It's freaking fantastic. It's so yeah. cool. You look at it like, wow, why couldn't the rest of the show look this cool? <laughs> Wait a minute. You're talking about the, but the American the 90s. Had- no, no, they, they had their own, like in Japan. Yeah. They had their own I know, I know but I, it's hard for it's so, even even with the anime thing added on to that. I it's hard for me to imagine one that was more hardcore theme, than that. That was the awesome. theme was great for the X-Men. No argument. Yeah. The animation. Yeah. Oh well, very it was, 90s. It was the yeah, it was it was very 90s. You're right. Yeah, very 90s, which means very not good. Very, very good, what six frames a second or something like <laughs> You know, just enough to trick the eye into thinking this is like animated, <laughs> like a step up from like some of the uh, the um, oh, uh, the Lou Scheimer shows of the eighties. But his final point, automation. One more thing: John is fighting the usage of the word anime when applied to Disney because it dilutes the definition of how anime has been understood. Yes, sounds like he just wants anime anime to be self contained and Disney's product as animation. Like it's the not, DC it's, animated movies. It's that is not exactly... what I want. There is a twenty-nine billion dollar community around anime that Disney as of does this not. Year. That Disney does not care about. Well, no, the twenty-nine <laughs> so, billion is why so, Disney so, wants it, right? No, they want a part of it, but they yes, want to create they... their own. Like Disney doesn't want. We said this last week, and I'll just I'm going to say yeah. this one more time, and then I'll I will throw the white flag and not discuss this again. <laughs> Disney wants to do its own thing with anime. They want. They know. They know they're not trying to be what anime is. They're trying to be what, in their corporate mindset, they think anime can be. Well, I mean, it's not for me to decide whether or not that will work. Because like I said, the term, the 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 concept of anime has been morphing and growing over the last, like, say, um, decade and a half, two decades, if not because, yeah. because, because it became popular in Western nations. And now you've got other things like Disney, you know, coming in or well, this in thing is they, China, they right? warmed our generation up to it with all okay. the stuff from the eighties. Right. Although that was really cut to shreds, but, it's, so, but that's what I'm saying. That's how you warm something up to it. It's if Voltron is a gateway drug, essentially. True. Max like, Ross, one minute, also, one yes, minute you're watching true. Lion Force. Next thing you know, you're standing in line with your bleach bag. And, and, like this is how this yeah. stuff happens. And well, first you're watching Battle of the Planets, and the next thing you know, you found the original Gotcha. Well, I'm younger than you, so I wouldn't have watched Battle of the Planets. And yeah. I was gonna say, and 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 here's the other thing that, and this goes back to something we've said a million times on this podcast. You're looking at it as somebody who's been an anime fan for three thousand years. I mean, <laughs> thirty plus years, forty plus years. But again, there's a whole slew of kids out there who've never even heard of anime. And if this gets them into it, isn't that a good thing? It's the same thing comic. Like it's the same I, I, I know I won't, I won't belabor that point. No, you're right. Anything that gets them into it. So I, what I'm what I'm saying is that of all the places, like when Sony wanted to get into anime, they went with anime community anime um was it uh, companies, right? They they went in to the actual community itself. Disney, like JD is saying, wants to do their own thing. Yeah, so I I have doubts that they in their corporate structure, although like they have better a better chance than most. I'll give them that because they usually go in whole hog. But I have doubts that you can get into this with the kind of attitude that most corporations I, have. I just don't think that they're 
I think they know what they do doesn't quite fit the confront the construct of what you and, and the, the current construct. Yeah, well, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. They're not interested in that. They just want a taste of it, and they want to create their own thing with those elements to it. All right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's one other piece to this in the Geek World All Stars chat, of which I've never. Visited. This is this is because the market share is like in the yeah. twenty billions, yeah. and and here's. And, Disney I, says there's cartoons that are making money that we're not involved with. Exactly. This must, this is, yes. this must cease. So this like, all comes from this all comes from and, Randy and, and, and right again. So first the is, meme of the mouse beating up the Jonas brothers. But <laughs> first, this is Randy, great, right? This is he he typed this out as he was actually listening to the episode. I love when people do that. Like everyone just needed <laughs> to reactions. ask the other, explain yourself, even if you think you can't just try. And what's worse, I know that anime fan John was referring, I know the anime fan John was referring to. He's a nut job. The anime fan type, not John. Oh, I was confused. <laughs> you and JD, meaning me, you and JD are like, the market just will just create a new fan base. John's like, they will never accept those non-fans into the halls of anime. And me, I'm just like laughing at the whole thing. Well, yes, yeah, so that's what we do. Ten billion fans, he said, and there's like a, a, a gif of the the I can't think of the actor's name or the character's name from uh, Kevin from The yeah, Office well, laughing. Like I said, at that point, I was kind of off the rails, and I okay, had hold a few on, drinks. Yeah. Even oh, while there's more. Like, there's more. Let me finish. Let okay. me finish. <laughs> to which uh, Ray replied, "Anyone that believes John's population census and it's Terry Crews." <laughs> laying on the ground going oh the deception the betrayal man you've deceived me mm -hmm. I'm, I'm surprised so, you didn't go with the elf you sit on a throne of lies meme you know okay so here's randy again so my question for him meaning you john what makes an anime because it sounds like if it isn't made in japan by old perverts perverts it's just cartoons no again <laughs> the, the term anime has been growing the originally uh, Chinese animation was not a part of it. Now it's considered, you know, that it, that it's okay to to call that anime. Um, I don't know of any Western markets that have really broken into it, though. You know, because because the mindset there's a difference in the mindset in the languages, right? The and 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 the cultures that just doesn't trend. There's a reason why in um, was it in Pokemon. When they came on with like rice cakes, they called them donuts in America. There is a there's a culture that just doesn't translate very well that the animation community is used to and very fond of. And when a, if, if Disney's going to make this, you know, they're going to have a hard time like translating or 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 enticing people over from the culture of the anime of, I, of anime that they're I used keep to telling you they i don't think i know you're concerned. thinking they're you're thinking they're going to get new people on they're right? trying to create their own fans hold on right i like this too anime while incredibly popper, is popular is still a niche audience otherwise crunchyroll would have had bought disney at this point with their 10 billion strong in community uh, no no crunchyroll started out as as a pirate site and they Man and they the went court. legit when there was so much money to make and now they're saying that by 2030 it'll be worth 40 50 billion dollar industry right so right now it's it's as of 2021 i think it's 25 billion dollar industry that's not nothing so ray 
And there's a reason Sony bought them. There's a reason Sony bought Crunchyroll and then bought and 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 Funimation. You know, Ray followed up with John is an anime purist. Snob is the term I think would be better to use. I'll I'll go with that. I am kind of a snob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least I'm not egotistical or self-centered. Narcissistic. 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 (laughs) Get it right. Man, we took a beating this week. I know. Holy crap. I feel like Dave sitting on the fence over there, staying out of trouble. (laughs) I unlike me, you know. I feel like somebody hit me with a shuriken, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, kamehameha, but you know. Now let's move on. Our good uh, friend Drew commented. Drew C commented over on Facebook. He said, "Sorry, I'm listening." on the move this week so no live posting don't be sorry for listening we appreciate it yeah yeah but i do want to open up a can of worms that is how and when that is how and when nebula got bucky's arm case cause continuity is king so he wants us to get you know i was right he wants us to go down that rabbit hole we our our audience wants it jd what do you think i don't (laughs) know Um, I forget. I forget what that argument was even about. I'm trying to figure out why people keep coming into my office when I'm trying to. What are you? Get that out of your mouth, Andy. Take the dog. Go to bed. Come on, I'm on a show. This isn't cool. Go to bed, both of you two. Blonde monsters, get out of my office. They're both blonde. That's hysterical. That's. (laughs) See, this is real life, though. We 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 strive for authenticity. Authenticity. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Fuck. Sorry. Um, all right all right authenticity (laughs) authenticity (laughs) the argument argument was about when did she get the arm and which arm was it and it was the care i don't i don't care like it's a joke i don't care so you think bucky's just going to show up with an arm next time we see him and no one's going to know i think they need to do a gag where he shows up without his arm and like rockets like sorry and hands it to him see that's we need that scene sure (laughs) <laughs> all right all right fine be a party pooper moving on talk about me more talk about me more indiana <laughs> jones 5 is what we're going to talk about this looks this is cool this is um of course we talked about that last week the trailer came out jd's super excited for it because he likes old men uh, i'm on this show Ooh. spend my sundays hanging out with old men oh. Bump, set spike that's fair that's, um, that's fair <laughs> the epics of Enkidu <laughs> said about the trailer saw the trailer felt nostalgic unlike the fourth movie I would watch it so I, I'm going to say that yes like I don't think the fourth one was going for a nostalgia no they were going for we're just continuing the movie yeah that didn't work people didn't well, want that well, no, that they was... brought they brought back what's your name to it. Though. They did they bring did... back Karen Black, Karen, Karen. Allen. Karen? I almost say Karen Black. That's not right. Karen Allen. Yeah. Karen Allen. Yes, Karen Allen. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, they did do that, but like, did they advertise that? I forget if she was in the marketing campaign or not. It's been a while. Um, I, don't, I don't remember. She wasn't in the marketing in the campaign. campaign. Yeah, but there was a clip of like they were on an interview with Harrison Ford. He was on set via video, and was like, "Oh, I want to show everyone there's someone here," and oh, she came yeah. out. But I mean, like they didn't market it. Like I, again, I think in two thousand six we didn't have the wave of nostalgia that we've been riding right. now for marketing. Like I think they tried to make a new movie when it turns out all we really want is the old movie. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Randy, random Randy Savage said 
God, I love that name. He was too old in Crystal Skull, which was 15 years ago. Yeah. Leave the old man alone and let him direct or produce or lie down. We should have gotten a new indie by now. I don't think they're going to do that. That's the one character Harrison Ford said he won't give up playing. Yeah. But but you can't you can't how do you make a new indie? Why would you make a new indie? Because we make like, a new Indiana Jones, we have a new Bat or I'm sorry, we have a new James Bonds, we have a new Batman. I know, but there's a reason why there's a reason why they don't make westerns anymore. I feel like not a whole lot of westerns anymore. There's it, it's like don't sell, the, that's the reason. I right. honestly feel so, like you could have rebooted the series in two thousand eight, like it had been long enough. You could have had a new actor come out and just yeah. there's a new Indiana Jones movie with a young actor playing indiana jones but you know they did the crystal skull with harrison ford now i think you're stuck until i'm very missouri on this i mean you're gonna have to show me that it could work you know i don't know if i buy it i think it could it just you have to find the right unknown actor yeah because i don't think you could have a star come in and take his place but i agree with that I you're, agree go- with that. you're going back to the there are no new ideas in hollywood we're just going to keep mining the same thing yes. you're going to make indiana jones another james bond i mean it, the, the the whole to be whole- fair to be fair it was made because spielberg and lucas could not get the rights to do james bond right but but here's the thing the whole premise of indiana jones is that he lives at a time when there are still places on the planet that have not yet been discovered, even let alone let James alone, Bond, let alone found. But James, no, James Bond. James Bond. The time tra- changes. He's not always stuck in the sixties. Right, right. But Indiana Jones doesn't work if you shift. If you ship, I agree. With if you if you shift Indiana Jones to now, we have we've satellite mapped the entire planet. Like they're using yeah, ground but, radar to find, but we still have archaeologists. I just, they're... I just watched yeah, but... a Godzilla movie about the Hollow Earth. You can, ex- it's fiction. Um, I would like uh, to say they did reboot know, Indiana but, Jones. But it was there were called no Tomb Raider. In... <laughs> they didn't do it success. Yeah, I didn't say I didn't say they did it successfully, but that not is, wrong. yeah. Tomb Raider is oh, basically. Oh, 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 what, what's Jones the other one with Nick Cage? Um, uh, National Treasure, which yes. no longer has Nick Cage, according to Disney Plus. Hmm. I mean, I mean, but but again, that shifts the the there's focus nothing you from, could, from but there's there's nothing saying you couldn't reboot indiana jones and still keep it in world war ii era yeah it's called a period piece yeah yeah but then you that there's there's too many logistical problems with like okay you're going to keep making movies so, they're all over the 50s continuity comes into play it gets messy not with the reboot, with the reboot. when you reboot I, you throw away the continuity i know but i've seen do like that every six 10 years, halloween like i've seen like six halloween reboots like like Halloween is is basically an intricate web of reboots, and people keep going to those things for some reason. Uh, the, yeah, uh, not lately, apparently. No, people. Well, the last, the last one, one did okay, well. It did well. Mm. It's not good, but people saw it. Yeah, but the Rob Zombie one. Well, that one. What did that one didn't do well? So they yeah. rebooted. That's how reboots work. This this is done. Do it well, again. It's a reboot oh, of a it reboot. Would, well, this was a reboot. new fifty two reboot because like this was a reboot actually. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah see that's the thing though it's like if it gets too messy you're gonna you're gonna it is very messy. the halloween is the messiest film series ever because there's no yeah that's not true no it is in fate stay night is but i won't go into that i don't even know what that is we're gonna leave that alone but halloween is for a mainstream american movie has the messiest continuity of anything and people keep going to it if it's success if it works like horror fans don't care about continuity at all yeah they don't they don't i mean the original concept was two movies the boogeyman one halloween night and the character died at the end of the thing. He wasn't supposed to be immortal or anything. Yeah, before he even got to space. I mean, geez. He never got, to be fair, Michael Myers never went to space. I know. 
like and everybody then, else has. And the whole me. thing is, they then every time they've tried to reboot it, like H two O, and then the then the uh, Rob Zombie movies, and then that now the David these, Gordon Green, the David Gordon Greens, the last trilogy, like they're like we're ignoring everything else because in the second movie is when they go, oh, they're brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to throw that away. So, but it's like, but then it's, I don't know. Then it's just garbage at that point. I mean, like, that's the thing about Halloween is if you like Halloween movies, there's some, there's some sequel that you will like and some that you'll hate. Yeah. I like one, two and H2O and I throw everything else away. See, I don't like H2O. I think H2O is a bad movie. Like it's very much the guy who made Scream got to actually make a Michael Myers movie and forgot that he made Scream, you know? Yeah. But I kind of felt like. Because Dawson's, it was a little too Michael Myers meets Dawson's Creek to me. True. I just meant for the story wise, like they wanted to, they did want to finally end it there. But then they made another one. I know. But that, like that, and to me, I was like, that's the perfect ending. They decapitated him. Like, that's how you kill the, that's how you kill the monster. Then they brought him back. But they don't do that. They don't do that. Because they just erased the movie from existence. Like, that's the whole thing. They didn't bring him back. They just said, oh, that movie didn't exist. Like, they do, but that's Michael Myers. They do that. They always pretend these movies don't exist. Uh, oh, and then finally, the Cruel Brain podcast said it won't be a theater viewing, but I'll see it for sure. So oh, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see this. Yeah, we're going to we'll see it in the theater. We'll probably review it on this show. I hope so. That's and then good. finally, Don, our good friend Don tweeted at us saying, "The Omega Level Nerds podcast is not dead. I'll be back on the horse soon." Thank you for continuing to plug my little show. Oh, so he's doing Uh, Westerns now. Okay. (laughs) I thought he would be back on heroines. So that's good news, Don. We are, we are happy to hear that. Um, I think maybe we'll hear more about it next week, but we'll get into that, uh, at the end of the podcast. Um, but yes, that is it for social media madness. So if you would like to follow us on social media, I mean part of social media madness, here's our good friend D Square to tell you more. Enjoying the show? Want to be part of social media madness? Make sure you are following superherospeak.com where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast as well as some other great content. Check the site often because we are posting some great comic reviews as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at Superhero Speak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network include great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Colt 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. And, and just remember, as you're listening to us, the first three minutes are the splash zone. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you doing? All right. We're not a video show, but I feel like I need to entertain you guys sometimes. <laughs> Thanks for that, Don. And don't forget to check out the Omega Level Nerds podcast, available on YouTube and wherever podcasts are available. And on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with the news. After these 
All right, we're back. There isn't a lot of news, but there are some interesting developments from DC for this past weekend. So everybody went crazy. All right, so here's the timeline. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna lay it out real quick. It's it crazy, started. Yeah. It started with an Instagram post from Gal Gadot saying she is looking <laughs> forward to continuing on uh, bringing Wonder Woman stories to the audience because she loves playing the character. The very next, next. day. Yeah. The news comes out. It wasn't just her though, because Dwayne also had stuff on his on his pages talking about how much money Black Adam actually made. So this yes. was concentrated from a lot of the. Uh, there's a lot of people that were trying to get narratives out there before the news cycle really took took notice of what was happening at DC World. Right. So the very next day, the first thing that comes out is Wonder Woman three is dead at DC. Like. Or Warner Brothers, they are not moving forward with it. With well, they're FDC. not. They're not moving forward with Penny Jenkins. Treatment. They offered Penny Jenkins a chance to redo it, and she said no. She right. didn't want to stray right. from so her vision because Jeff Johns took or no, who took over? Who's in charge now? James Gunn. James, James Gunn, Gunn. Right. And, right. Uh, Jeff Johns is out. Right. So, so James, James Gunn. It did whatever she was doing didn't fit his well, because another, he's in charge. That now. same day. Hold on. That same day, an article comes out saying, and by the way, a lot of this news is up on our website, too. So you should right. be going over to SuperheroSpeak.com because I was crazy putting up articles this uh, past weekend. All right. um, so that the same day, an uh, a article comes out saying DC is getting away from the Snyderverse continuity. Like they're completely going to reboot it. It's, it's, it's done. No more Snyderverse whatsoever. Drew will be ecstatic. Which people were confused because like, they showed Henry Cavill. Everyone wanted that. A month ago. A month yeah. ago. So then, yes, then then the next day we get the Patty Jenkins is like, well, let me set the record straight. They wanted me to redo the movie. It, I didn't want to stray from my vision, so I, I, I turned down their offer. But, I mean, keep in mind that her vision for the second movie was... I, I saw a, a thing. Now, I have no idea if there's authenticity to this or not. None. But this is what I saw, and I will report that because I'm not a journalist. I'm a rumor monger. And a narcissist. And a narcissist. And um, it said that... Many, many her, talents. Her, tons. So many, <laughs> so many talents. Um, He said that um, her pitch was Diana would fall in love with Hal Jordan. Oh, for crying out loud. Who would be gets better who would be uh a descendant of steve trevor and chris prime would play hal jordan oh see see like here's the thing like she she's a good director i will give her that she that's did, a little she narcissistic really, she was she's a good director but but a terrible writer and not for comics especially because that's my thing it's one like one was pretty good that's like, that's her saying what? i'm going to direct how you're going to bring in this character into this continuity and it was right like, and that's the other problem because again, well, that's a little also, JD of her. Wow, oh, wow, dude, dude, just keep <laughs> wow. piling on, me, dude. Um, damn. It's not like we're talking about anime here. Um, <laughs> oh, and now more, it much comes more, full much more serious. Um, no, I mean to be fair, Hal Jordan. Uh, from what we've been told, the new Green Lantern stuff will revolve around John Stewart. Yes, but so perhaps she saw an opportunity. If this is accurate. I have no proof. I don't think that this Chris is Pine as as Hal Jordan though. I don't. Oh, I think he would. Ten years ago, I thought that would have been a great call. Like, think about the way he played Captain Kirk. 
right? Mm. That was always very Hal Jordan to me. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it works now because he's already been Steve Trevor. No, I a hundred percent agree. A hundred, especially so, especially if the plan was that he was going to be a descendant of Steve Trevor, because I kind of feel like we did that in Wonder Woman too. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's the story. You know, so, so and then so the final thing was then James Gunn finally came out and said, "There's a lot of rumors floating around right now," and he said, "All I can tell you is some are true." Some are kind of true and some aren't true at all. So they're still, and we're still figuring things out and yeah. we'll let you know once we have, once we have it figured out. Right. But, the, but the thing we have to keep in mind is James Gunn is in charge. There were a lot of things and in David flight Saffron. there and David Saffron. Right. So those two are in charge. They're figuring out their 10 year plan and all these things that were in flight are going to change, you know? Right. And 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 James Gunn has at least he he's he loves the comics, right? Like yeah. he he knows his stuff. He's not going to let Patty Jenkins I, do something weird like that or, you know, some of these other so he he'll he'll write the ship and at least we'll we'll get something that we like to watch probably. It's a it's a weird hill to die on. Like I want uh Chris Pine to be held Jordan and and no, I won't stray from that. Like it might be more than that. You know, like, again, yeah. it's it's a rumor and I cannot confirm it because I'm not, again, I'm not a journalist, but it's interesting. Um, And I don't know how much we're going to get. Like, I'm more bummed if we don't get Henry Cavill as Superman. Yeah. Right. Because I do think he deserves another crack. But at the same time, if they have, if they have a take that involves fixing everything because there's some crazy rumors that came out this week too. Like, like Jason Momoa being done as Aquaman and now being Lobo. Right. Yeah, I saw that. I, but again, that's there's nothing to confirm that. Nothing that's, to confirm that. Same with Michael Keaton. The Michael Keaton Batman movie that was dropped was going to be Batman Beyond. Yeah. You know, again, rumor. Who knows if this is real or not? And again, it's all speculation. But I mean, if, if those guys have a take that restarts everything, I can't be mad at it. Although I don't think it would, because like again, gun the stuff that guns already done is firmly rooted in what they've already worked on. Right. I don't think it's a total reboot. I think they're trying to figure out what pieces work, who they can work with, and what direction makes sense. I so it's a rebirth. It. No, I was about to say it's it's a crisis. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that worked too. Yep. It might be a new fifty-two. I mean, like, no, the new fifty. Yeah, it's kind of what the new fifty-two was the new fifty-two. Mm. I just I just talked about it a couple weeks ago. I saw this um this thing on the new fifty-two that like. It, it happened so fast that they were just, they didn't know what worked and what didn't. Like they rebooted everything except Batman and Green Lantern. Right. Because the these stories just kept going where they were. And well, that's because Batman like skipped around the universe reboot thing. And it did. It yeah. did. And yeah. it, but it made they the time. Weird things. It no. didn't work. I mean, know? that yeah. was uh, Scott Snyder had already written that story. Mm -hmm. It was the Court of Owls. That mm -hmm. was, that's, that was but the new 52. It took him a year to get there to the Court of Owls, right? Right, but There's like others... that was his plan. It was he had yeah. already written stuff to get to the Court mm -hmm. of Owls, so it was just like they were like, "Oh, we like this. We'll just let it go." It was but... the same with Jeff Johns because Jeff Johns was in the middle of his Green Lantern epic, right. which is probably the greatest Green Lantern story ever told. Right? He wrote it for like five years, right? Eight, eight years, excuse me. So I mean, like they didn't reboot that again. It was really sloppily planned, and I think that. It sure feels like that's, but again, the original crisis is the same way. Everything reboots in the crisis, except for Batman. Batman doesn't really reboot, uh -huh. you know, 
everything else. And Green Lantern didn't really reboot either. You just got new origins for stuff. But then like Hawkman's a completely different thing. Yeah. You know, Flash doesn't reboot. Flash just has a new Flash. <laughs> like it's the crisis is confusing, but not as confusing as what the new 52 turned in. I mean, I know I'm on an island by myself for liking Wonder Woman 84. Yes, you are. Yeah. But, and I'm going to say in that regards, I understand there's a lot of criticism for that movie and I can see why Gunn would also be like hesitant for, you know, like without got with say without being able to say like, well, hold on, let me, can we, you know, shift the story this way a little bit, you know, I mean, who knows? It's probably two headstrong uh, movie makers are like, well, I want to do it this way. Well, and you, you know, you can't, I'm the boss now. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's not, them. he, he, if he's going to come up, if, if him and the God, the other guy, his name, I can't remember. Um, if, if they're going to come up with something that's going to work for 10 years, then like, other people are going to have to get in line like right. they, 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 it, I mean, it's it's survival this... for all at this point not not like do you think you know, some must die so others may live right Here, here's a question and and this is a serious question do you think boxer briefs that's the answer <laughs> do you think that gal gadot, gadot. posted the thing about gadot. wanting yeah, wanting to play wonder woman um was her way of saying like even if they get rid of Patty, I still want to keep playing the character. Yes. Yeah. Well, every, everybody wants her to keep playing the character. Oh, everybody. She's great. My wife yeah. and I were talking about this today. We're like, she is. She was born to play Wonder Woman. She's awesome as Wonder Woman. She's done it under two or three different directors now, and she's always good in it. Like, I, I don't want to see another Wonder Woman right now because what she does works. Right. right? Henry Cavill, the same thing. Same I kind of feel like that's... Hmm. That's like one of the partially true things because it was like Wonder Woman three's dead and both Patty and Gal Gadot's but out. We, I don't think about it too. We also have a Shazam movie coming out soon. Yep, right. That's in that the, continuity. And the people like that one too. Continuity. People did like Shazam. Yeah. Yep. And uh, supposedly an Aquaman and Flashpoint, <laughs> maybe. Well, <laughs> I haven't it, seen it, anything if, about that in a while. <laughs> if anything, they can still use that movie to just like like basically cause the uh the reboot right i mean yeah i I don't think here's the thing i don't think you finish up and release those movies and then go okay we're doing a hard reboot right now like you can't it's too much money being thrown away at that point for a company that's not doing well no they're not it's interesting because like um he has a wrestling fan like one of the um their wrestling property they tried to launch another like a spinoff show and they wouldn't pick it up and it's done well for their pay-per-views so rather than doing it they're doing their own like streaming their own streaming deal thing it sure seems like it sure seems like wbd is not in a good place right now like more than people think yeah yeah i think so i think uh, i mean i I think we hit the nail on the head when last week we talked about how they're not going to put dc animation on hbo max they're going to put it on amazon because they're looking for deals to make money right now they're going to get paid why get why that's again, we talked about this too with the this the, eventually these companies are gonna come to their senses and realize we get paid more by selling this stuff than 10 bucks a month. Like again, you think that those stream the subscription things are the way to go, but I think that's proven out maybe it isn't. Yep. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I hopefully they they announce something soonish. I think originally they said January they were gonna 
make announcements. So it's weird that this is coming out right before the holidays. They don't have, I don't think they have a plan yet. I think they're still trying to nail down what the plan is. Right. Everybody wants to know what the plan is, but I don't think they know. I think they're still trying to figure it out. Right. And I feel like that's part of it. Like they were negotiating with Jenkins on Wonder Woman 3. And I think that's what happened is that the, the meeting probably fell apart and she walked out all pissed and started saying stuff. And then, boom, everything hits the fan and all these rumors start flying real fast. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you don't know what's going on. Don't stop posting all this stuff. So, and that's what but Gunn was trying to say. Like, hey. It, oftentimes it's more important to get the message out first and to get the message out accurately. Unfortunately, that's more and more true mm-hmm. in our society. I was the first to post it. Public relations, man. Oh, Most I hate per- when, when you're watching a video and you look at the comments and the first post is just well, there's your first mistake. you're reading the comments like but i've seen this over and over again not just on videos on youtube i've seen it in other places too where the first comment is just first yeah just to be like oh yeah. look i i got i saw this first i commented first like congratulations nerd. exactly you're a dork <laughs> so i mean i know jd's i mean jd i mean i know john's looking forward to the next wonder woman movie not until i no not not particularly <laughs> No, you don't like Wonder Woman. Uh, no, I, I just the if if it's done by James Gunn or like under his direction or under somebody that they hire, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm sure it'll be okay. It won't be 84, which is what I'm hoping for. And I think you have to give James Gunn the benefit of the doubt right now because James yeah. Gunn and David Saffron, because you just hired them. You have to well, and you have to see what they can do. You have to they're, they're, they 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 they're betting everything on these guys yeah. basically. Yeah, proven as movie makers but not proven as head producers on a huge thing No, but like you have this. to give them their, you have to give them their chance though. Right. They mm. need to they need more than one movie. They need a few, they need to do like with Feige, like you needed time to prove that it could work. Yeah. And also they're, they have to prove themselves being thrown in the middle of a mess of a dying company. It's tough. They're in a worse position than Feige was. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, with Feige, well, think about it. When Marvel was in trouble, Marvel had like, bankrolled the future of their properties on these movies so that was the 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 film rights to everything was the collateral like marvel comics wouldn't go out of business but they would never be able to control their own futures the way they have been if iron man doesn't work right iron man works they're okay eventually they're bought by sony and you know because they just had a distribution deal with paramount at first uh, disney excuse me they had a distribution deal with paramount Mm -hmm. at first those first few marvel now flash forward to this Warner Brother Discovery is is a mess right now. The the Discovery merger has been far worse than anybody anticipated because anybody that moved, that merges with Warner winds up in a worse position. They could just hmm, Warner Brothers is it's a true. Paw. Warner it, it, Brothers is a monkey's paw of everything. Like remember AOL? AOL was one of the most powerful companies in the world. Not after Warner Brothers came in. Yep. Turner too. Like it just so much of this I, stuff. But there was a cable company too that like they killed. Right? There was another. Time right, like been a lot of stuff. Like anything, like Marvel's it? been. I mean, uh, Warner's been merged with many times. I was gonna say, and Feige had the um the advantage of he was the producer on the other Marvel movies, the Spider Man and the X Men movies. Like he was involved he was, with them. He was involved. He was a producer because he was working but, for Marvel. But what I'm saying know? is, he had the advantage of seeing what worked and didn't work before yes. Marvel was put on the line. Well, okay, by the same token, so is Peter Safran. Peter Safran produced um, Shazam. He produced Black Adam. He produced yeah, both yeah. Suicide Squad movies. Right. So he has been in the fold for a minute. Yeah. Right? He's been here. He now, 
he has also had it's very similar it's very very similar the only difference is feige was kind of on his own whereas um this is a a filmmaker and a producer working yeah. together you know which is which does change things it does but it but it's also this gigantic corporate clusterfuck and david zasloff i don't know man i don't think he's doing a great job personally you know yeah i also kind of worry that like i believe kevin feige has a vision but when it comes to creative decisions within the movies he probably lets the filmmakers make those as long as they fit in with sometimes the... i would say as like long he, as it fits let... in with his overall vision yeah i'm kind of worried like werewolf by night like he, he just let yeah, that guy do almost what he wanted yeah but that one doesn't really matter as much let let us not well, what let I'm us not is... forget the thor bath from yeah uh, Asia yeah Amazon. yeah yeah um yeah which we didn't complain about but uh it was bad you know it was bad it didn't make sense no, oh, well, all this is going on. By the way, I'm going to go take a bath to have a vision. Like it was an extended trailer for Mar- the MCU phase <laughs> two. You know, I mean, if something had happened where, like, he when he was in battle, he got knocked out and had the vision. No, it's like okay, all right. Anyway, like, like him flying off to do it just made no sense. Anyway, what I'm getting at is though, James Gunn is a filmmaker who has a vision mm-hmm. and about how to make a movie. And hopefully that doesn't overshadow like other creatives. And that's why I'm kind of wondering because of this whole thing with Patty Jenkins, it was like, he was like, well, I'm a filmmaker too. And this is what I think. And did they butt heads? You know, it's possible because Spielberg notoriously as a producer would butt heads with filmmakers sometimes Yeah, like him and Toby Hooper um, flashed, but meshed on the set of Poltergeist to the point where the movie completely feels like a Spielberg Hooper thing. Like, you know, it feels like their bizarre love child. But that don't always work as well. Well, look at Lucas and Phil Spielberg. Like that's a perfect example of a of a grouping that does work. Yep. You know. So, um, so here's like here's a here's a very weird thing that includes DC. Um, so Warner Brothers or Warner Media owns Otter Media. Otter Media owns Rooster Teeth. Rooster Teeth owns Ruby. R W or yeah, R W B Y like Russian yeah. nesting dolls. Right, right. So, so the Ruby series was originally created by a guy named Monty Ohm, who was probably one of the greatest action animators of all time. Um, specifically for computer animation, he he did action scenes that were dynamic and amazing, and just you know, people people kind of really miss him. He passed away, but Rooster Teeth is now having a crossover with the Ruby universe with dc hmm. which is coming out soon so That's like there's still and it, i i would have thought that might have gotten canceled considering all this other stuff but this is the animated side of things and i don't know how i mean i'm assuming gun and and company are is, in charge of that too but they're having ruby justice league it's a uh limited series featuring crossover between ruby and the justice league is ruby so, anime Ruby, see now there there was something. Oh Ru- God, please, Ruby! No, 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 no! It just just the history, like R- Ruby's <sighs> computer computer generated computer generation is usually pretty bad, but Ruby was incredible because Monty Ohm was in charge of it. People sort of considered that anime, but now today, this this year, an anime came out where they redid Ruby. But as official animation, see, I just wanted to see if if John was trying to just 
bring anime back into this. No, no, I'm not trying to, but it's, I thought it was interesting that the story like, works. I'm... Yeah. But I'm just, it's like, that's a weird crossover. It is. And, and yet that one is going forward for some reason. I, I, and I mean, it, it'd be an interesting crossover. I'm and, guessing, but, they, but there's like Warner media trying to bring in the anime community, which is interesting too. I'm going to say that that's something that was already in production and probably well, yeah it started in 2021 so. yeah and there's probably already millions of dollars into the production so they're not going to kill it and it's something that should make money it might be one of the first things that ends up on uh, amazon prime well and the, and the thing is like again like warner media owns rooster teeth which owns yeah. you know otter media which owns rooster teeth which owns it so it's kind of internal money which is you know internal money is kind of um fungible the the nesting dolls of warner yeah, I wonder how many other places are owned by Warner Media that like I should do a dive into that. That'd be interesting to see just how much is now in you know under under their auspices. So long story short, no one knows what's going on. James Gunn said no one knows what's going on because we don't know what's going on. And we yet. have yeah, and, and and we have faith in him. For now. I'll have faith in him when the first couple movies under his tenure come out. You know, we'll, we'll see you with the, the with the first movie we should be able to see. Right. I mean, all right, and it doesn't like money. and that's the thing. The stuff coming out next year doesn't count because that's all pre him taking over. So, well, they could do reshoots and so, like they could really mess with the Flash thing in order to uh, like wrench the the um, the continuity, like wrench the universe into the direction. I'm they want, still right? wondering so if that, that movie's going to see the light of day. Yeah. That, again, this this whole thing makes me really doubt that this movie even comes. Yeah. Wow. And and you were we, we've talked about this before, like taking a bath on that much that much money, like like the bat the the bat girl thing was yeah not was a couple of million, but this would be like... yeah. But here's the, here's the question that I think you have to ask yourself. I mean, I understand your millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars into producing this movie, but how much does it cost to distribute it and advertise it? Like, and you know, people aren't going to go see it because of uh, you know him. i think i think they have underestimated just how much people have come to hate that dude i yeah. really do ezra mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's the thing like do you do you just say you know shelve it for now and we'll sell dvds in five years you know I, what's funny is we haven't heard any news about ezra miller lately how, how much you want to bet that they've got him in a bunker somewhere <laughs> Oh, Buffalo Bill got him and he's in a well in some house in Missouri. Yeah. Put the, the lotion, lotion in the basket. I'm reading that right now. So it's fresh. In my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then the only other news article, this is for me. Um, I know I saw something a couple years ago about this, but now it's uh, come back up again. Um, Remo Williams, the series is in works from Sony Pictures Television. Um, oh, my God. Okay, first you have to start with technically me, if, me it, and my it, big mouth continue. Oh so my god, no, 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 no. Remo Williams was like there there it was a bunch of pulp novels. Like oh, the I used destroyer. To, I used to yeah, yeah, the destroyer. And I used I to have sell like them three when or I worked them. I, I used to work for Walden Books way back in the day, and we used to sell them, and there were like over a hundred of them. The guy was popping them out left and right. Um, and it was entertaining, those guys. Cool. but then, you know, who Fred Ward is, right? Oh yeah. 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 Sure. He was in Remo Williams. The adventure begins in, in the, uh, which was a movie. 1985. It, right. But it was also a movie that had, um, Wilford Brim Brimley, but it also had, what was it? Um, I think it was 
was it Joel Gray? Who was the one with the terrible Oriental makeup on? Asian. It was Chun, Joel Gray. Yes, yes. Asian, Asian. Asian, fine. We don't yes. say Oriental. Orientals I'm sorry, are, I'm old, but I don't mean it. Orientals There's, are rugs. No, yes, it, it, was, it was almost as bad as Mickey Rooney. Um, it was. He was in, except that he, you know, Joel Gray played Chun. He played it very well, though. And June is a really awesome character. So, like this has oh, it had Kate Mulgrew in it too, from Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, so before she was a thing. Um, so yeah, this could be big because this this my, is this is the my the, introduction was I saw the movie and I liked it and I my dad was like oh well if you like that it's based on these series of books called the Destroyer. My dad was a big reader like he would read a book a week uh, all the time. So like. He had a bunch of them and he gave them to me. And I, yeah, I mean, they're pulp. They're definitely pulp books. Like you could tell they're, they're shot out real quick, but they're fun. You know, they're fun little books and I'm kind of excited for this. I want to, uh, you know, will they do it justice? Cause the movie's kind of like the movie. It has the same feel, but it's not exactly based on one of the books, you know? So that's okay. Jen, we've gone a long way with Bond with that. Like it's been a yeah. while since we've had a, a Bond movie based on one of Ian Fleming's books, you know? This was There's Warren Mur- Warren Murphy and Richard Sapir. Um, and the first novel was published in 1971. Um, all of the manuscript, oh, they completed the manuscript in 1963. So, but the but the the concept that the concept is something that could really like the, the movie did pretty well, and it's a fun concept. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a, what is it's it? a very fun concept. The, 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 the concept is that um, re- they, there is this secret government organization that handles assassinations or, you know, keep keeping democracy from, you know, yeah. from being destroyed. So the thing is that they have this one guy who is master of this secret martial art, Chun, and he needs a he, he needs a, a protege. They need and they need another person on the team because the team's like only four people. Right. Um, so they kill Fred Ward's character, kill with air quotes, um, give him plastic surgery, turn him into Remo Williams. That's his new name. And he becomes a uh, he becomes like a protege, a protege um, assassin. Yeah. Who's learning these secret arts. The only difference, the, the only crazy thing is that it turns out that he is an avatar of the destroyer and like he takes to the the teachings like a fish to water and he becomes really really powerful i mean it's it's he's a he's a super powerful character it's it's pretty but it's fun the way it's written so hopefully they can keep that so it's it's yeah it's like it's think of it as uh not a spy but like a in in yeah like a secret organization meets an uh 70s uh uh, karate movie yeah, like john uh, wickish yeah 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 works for me but there's there's like shape-shifting androids and and like the, like the the people they go after it, it, it gets really like, crazy it sounds like urban fantasy before urban fantasy was there in kinda, a way yeah it kind of yeah. is yeah. yeah it would work that would actually yeah. work in this market i think it's with, a good idea with kung fu yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> i was that, gonna say that, or think of awesome. it like the character that uh they made killmonger in the movie but he he's a uh, He's a master of kung fu, and he's going. He's destroying other nations with the comic. Comic book movies are basically urban fantasy stories. Yeah. Mm. So, but, but the movie I like the the movie still worth watching. I, I so think you've that, never seen it, JD. 
No, never even heard of it until you guys just talked about it. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. It's right up there with Buckaroo Banzai across the fifth dimension and or across the eighth dimension. Yes. Like a, a bunch You've of You've seen others. Buckaroo Banzai, right, JD? Buckaroo Banzai, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's it's right up there. It, and it's it's a fun movie. It's a quick watch. But um, I was kind of, I was I was disappointed when they never came out with the second movie because it's called The Adventure Begins. You know, they, yes. they had plans <laughs> and it fell apart. Well, yeah. It's always like when you call your movie part one. It's like <laughs> being bold, being bold. Yeah, yeah, true. You're you're kind of tempting the fates with that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm excited for this. I kind of hope uh, it comes to fruition, and uh, I can't wait. I, I mean, you know, it all depends on who they cast and oh yeah, how they're going to distribute it too. Like, is this going to be? Uh, this will be on. This is one of those things that's going to be on Netflix or Prime or something like that. You know that. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's the news. And the reason that's the all the news is because remember, guys, I went to New York Comic Con and I got a bunch of interviews. Yep. Well, I hadn't released them all. So, we should do that. Release so the I've hounds. Got, we've got two interviews for you, oof, real quick oof, here. Oof, 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 let the hounds out. <laughs> <Oof. Sorry>. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to start with this one first. It's Eric Bruham and Sarah Meyer. Who are Eric is the writer, Sarah is the artist for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures. Gross. From IDW. So this this is a comic that is based on the eighties, uh, late eighties, early nineties cartoon that I, we all grew up. To. IDW does a lot of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a lot of fun, and I have to say, Sarah Myers is one of the most fun people I've ever interviewed. Because she loves all this stuff. She loves the turtles. She loved the cartoon. Uh, she was just excited. This is her first major comic that she's worked on. And uh, she was a lot of fun to talk to. So um, I won't build it up too much. Here is Eric and Sarah. All right. We are once again at the IDW booth. And we are with Eric Burnham, writer extraordinaire. And Sarah Meyer, colorist for Saturday Morning Teenage Mutant, Saturday Morning Adventures, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There you go. <laughs> um, so first question I've been asking everyone, how are you enjoying the convention this year? Well, it's fantastic. It's uh, always a great energy at New York Comic Con, and I wish I could match it, but there's not enough coffee in the world. But <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm having a great time. I always love, I love being in just the mess of, of comics love because I, I live in an area without any comic shops or fans so it's just this is it's recharging for me i'm loving it this is um not my first convention by a long shot but this is my very first new york comic con okay and i am absolutely thrilled to be here because i love new york city and i've always wanted to come to new york comic con so this is one hell of a way to to have a first year at new york comic con for oh, sure yeah and it's great I, I don't know if you were here last year uh, they had it twenty uh, last year, twenty twenty one, but it wasn't the same. I, obviously, none of the publishers were here. Um, it was half the attendance as normal, and it was it was like it was nice to be back with people, but it felt sad. This is so much different. It's so much more energy. It's great. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm uh, Saturday morning adventures, teenage mutant ninja turtles. Obviously, it's uh, a take on the original eighties cartoon. Um, was this something that 
you guys propose that you proposed as a, a story idea, or how did that come about? Well, in this case, it was something that um, Tom Waltz, one of the editors at IDW and a longtime writer of the Ninja Turtles book, um, he, he's wanted to do it forever, and he has thought it was a great idea, and he mentioned it every once in a while. IDW did a G.I. Joe Saturday Morning Adventures, yes. which I wrote, and that was received really well, and that was kind of the, uh, the wedge that got them to say, okay, we'll try it. We'll try it with something else. We'll try it with Ninja Turtles. It's the 35th anniversary of the cartoon, so it was the perfect time to do it. And he just said, do you have any ideas? Are you interested in doing it? You want to you pitch? I said, yeah, yeah, let's 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 do that, and uh, it, it, it's just that simple. Uh, a lucky confluence of him saying, "We're going to do it now. Do you want to be involved?" Well, of course, I want to be involved. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, how do you like being involved with this project? Are you a Turtles fan growing oh, up? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, this was a very fast, very surreal dream come true. <laughs> so uh, basically, uh, I had just wrapped work on a graphic novel with First Second. Um, and then I had for a long time had a pipe dream, like a bucket list dream of, I want to work on one official Turtles thing. Um, and I got contacted to do a variant cover for uh, issue number three yes. in Saturday Morning Adventures cover C. And um, I figured that would be the first and last uh, official Turtles thing I did. I love doing it. And then out of the blue, just a little bit later, I got asked to be the colorist on the series. And... I could not sign the contract fast enough because, um, you know, having grown up with the series, that was a dream come true. Yeah, I saw the blog post on your on your website about it, and it, yeah. it does come off that you're very excited to do this. Oh, it's super excited. Like, and <laughs> all of my uh, my friends and uh, family, they, they know how much I love turtles, so they, when I was finally able to, like, announce it, they were just like, okay, now we know why you've been smiling and, like, skipping around, you know? They know... And Sarah's just been crushing the pages, too. Fantastic stuff. I couldn't tell you how big I was grinning when I was getting the pages in my inbox. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, I got to say, like, legit working on this, I felt giddy like a child again because I was reading Eric's scripts and looking at Tim Lottie's line art as I was tasked with coloring it. And I was, like, sitting there in the dark in my apartment on my Cintiq working, like, I get to read this story before anybody else. And it was so funny. It was so great. Like, I was legitimately enjoying it just as a fan. And I I feel like that uh, that excitement helped drive me while I was uh, coloring it. So, yeah. The Turtles are a property that has been reinvented many times over the years. And they go back to the well of the original 80s cartoon. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you have to find ways to keep it relevant. Like, the first issue deals with uh, VR. They go into a VR world. <laughs> Is it a challenge to try to make that version of the Turtles relevant to kids today? I mean, I don't think so. The um, The challenge for me was more doing the done-in-ones in 20 pages, getting the whole feel of that. Because there's always more stuff you want to do. Oh, I could expand this. I could go further with this. But cutting it back was, was, the, was the trick. That was the challenge. As far as kids today, the cartoons are the same. They, kids like, um, well, everybody, they, they like humor and adventure working together uh, when it comes to the Ninja Turtles. Those flavors mix well. And this was, as you said, reinvention. This was the first major reinvention of the Turtles from Mirage to this. Then this is the established one. People are familiar with it. Um, and it just, uh, you know, people like, people like the Turtles, you know, pushing 40 years now, goodness sakes. And... Um, <laughs> And, and the, the elements have, have always been there and built on. And so I just, all I have to do is 
not screw up. Not broken. It's, it's not broken. I don't need to fix it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Trip over my words. I'm a real smart guy. No, no. And it's, and it's funny, too, because, like you said, the cartoon was the first reinvention. I, one of the original, I fell in love with the cartoon when I was a kid. My cousin had one of the original trades of, wow. of it. He was like, yeah, the cartoon's nothing like the comic. I'm like, what? He, he lent it to me. And I'm like, wow, this is dark. Like, this is very different than the cartoon. Yep. Several years after I had been loving the cartoon, somebody passed me a copy of, of, of one of the issues of Return to New York. And I'm flipping through and I'm like, oh, my. Oh, my. This is very different. It's very cool. But it's very different. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Watch uh, the 87 episode um, or 87 cartoon episode, Donatello's Degree. Then go back and read the, the original Mirage bit where Donatello is the one who kills Shredder. And it's yes. like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right. And they did a crossover kind of in the they did a multiverse thing in the cartoon where they brought in all the different versions at one point. Turtles Even, Forever. Yes. Yeah. Is there any kind of temptation to do a story like that? Um, not yet. It's something that would be a lot of fun to do at some point in the future if everybody was into it, if Nickelodeon was, if IDW was. I mean, I've done a lot of, of multiversal crossovers in comics in the past, so it would be a blast. But as far as it goes, we've got our four-issue miniseries. If the sales are good and the fans are wanting it, we'll be happy to do more and more of this specifically. And if it happens to come to a crossover, I mean, I wouldn't complain. As a, as a super fan... <laughs> And, and working on the art. What's something you want to see out of the series? Oh, man. Uh, Jeff Whitman and I were actually talking about this. Um, how much we both enjoyed the 2003 Four Kids animated okay. series. Um, as well as, of course, the 87 Turtles, you know. Right. Um, so, I don't know if there'd be any sort of legal finagling that might have to go on because of the different studios that produced them. True. But um, that would be really awesome to see that crossover again uh you know give it a second shot from right. uh, the turtles forever you know i think that'd be fun it'd be nice to combine that too with the 2012 nickelodeon cgi turtles and maybe down the line rise you know well actually along those lines working on a, on a licensed property like this do you ever feel like there's anything that ties your hands creatively no um when you when you start playing in the sandbox you know what the rules are and when you know what the rules are, so long as you don't break them, you know, you, you can you can do whatever you want. So, I mean, just the, the um, there there is occasionally, uh, if, if, if Nickelodeon has something that they don't want us to do, they'll tell us ahead of time. Um, right. If there's a change that needs to be made, they'll communicate that to us. Um, but for the most part, it's just like, here's what the Turtles can do, here's what they can't do. Here's the parameters of the universe, which is different from the 2012 and the 87 and the IDW Prime. They all slightly subtle shades of difference. But, um, no, so long as we're, we're following the rules for that iteration, it's, it's, been, it's been pretty open. They've, they've been just excited to do everything that we've proposed. Okay. Uh, one of the questions that we like to ask our guests, uh, we normally end the podcast by saying, don't let your cape get caught in the door, which has come to mean don't let your shortcomings or anything get in your way of achieving your goals. So what's something that you've overcome uh, to achieve one of your goals? Oh, man. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I, I, I like that it's, what are your shortcomings? <laughs> I, I want to know, how, how did you, how did you unfail? No, um, 
honestly, I am a very shy, socially anxious individual. I it it it's weird. My my career before writing was in radio for a while in retail. So two things that required me to do a lot of public speaking or speaking to the public, but my nature is to you know be introverted and hide away which is not something you can do at conventions it's not something you can do as a freelancer chasing after work and pitching stuff and you know selling yourself so um yeah over overcoming my my, my default nordic nature is uh what i've <laughs> what i've done just to become a writer uh well i gotta say this has been a dream of mine since i was a child a very small kid watching uh, the little mermaid in theaters that okay. was like that besides turtles was like my first memories you know and uh i guess one of the things i had to overcome was uh that's a long game to play you know yes. uh i'm 36 so that's what like it's <laughs> like 34 years of like uh okay let's keep going with this and you know comics is not always easy to break into the arts right. is not always easy to break into and uh, I've been doing conventions in Artist Alley since I was a teenager in like 2002, 2003. Okay. Um, and there were times when I like really wanted to give up on it. Um, and I would get uh, discouraged, I think, by seeing uh, our other artists who are definitely like way levels above my skill level. And I guess like, one of the, the best things that helped me get through that and to not give up just because of that out of frustration was to like realize, okay, you're never going to be the best artist. You're never going to be the worst artist. There's always somebody who's a little bit or a lot better at something than you are. Um, and there's always going to be something that you're better at than the next artist over. So you got to look at the world in shades of gray instead of this like, win it or nothing you know and once I guess once I started to shift my perspective from just thinking I'm not as good as that artist I, I guess I maybe I should really throw in the towel once I realized wait there's a lot of nuances here there's a lot of things to learn about that artist over there is amazingly charismatic how can I learn from them in connecting to my audience and artist alley hey, that artist there does great line art. How can I learn from them in doing my own nicks, you know? And I think that was one of the, the biggest, I guess, um, boons to helping me to not give up, you know? Right. Yeah, sorry, that was a very long answer. Oh, but. no. <laughs> it was articulate, and it was much better than mine, so oh, you no, win. No. Actually, I Eric has been really really sweet and has been like showing me the ropes because i've never been on big events like this yeah and uh eric i never would have guessed that you you feel like shy or nervous because you're so he's super like nice and charismatic i think with everybody so he's been a really great example yeah i think you answered the question but another question that i like to ask especially people who are experienced there's somebody listening to this who wants to get started in the business. What advice would you give to someone who wants to get started? Well, the the best advice for any kind of storytelling is first, finish. You, you got to finish the story that you're working on. Otherwise, it's, I mean, there's nothing there. You can't, um, you can't improve something that's unfinished. It needs to be done, and then you can work on it. 
Um, it can't remain in your head. It's got to be started. It's got to be finished on paper, a tangible form, whether it's it's writing or art. And uh, the second thing, uh, suggestion that I give, comic specific for writers, uh, be able to write small. Be able to write a story that's one page. Be able to write a story that's four or eight or just 20. Because I, I have heard, well, my story can't be told in any less than 12 issues. Well, what if you don't get those 12 issues? What if a publisher doesn't give it to you? What if you right. can't afford to do it yourself? Be able to tell the smaller story and build up. And maybe you need to cut or condense. It's a skill that's valuable in writing. And you, you learn it by, by practicing small. So those are the things that I, uh, that I recommend. But definitely the biggest thing, paramount, finish. Finish what you start. That's a hard answer to follow. <laughs> it's really, that's really helpful. I guess I, I guess uh, it's a little general, but try to be as well-rounded as possible, like as both a storyteller and writer and artist, you know. Um, but the more the more you get to experience in your life, I, I think the more uh, well-rounded and more versatile you'll be as an artist and a storyteller. So don't be afraid to like take a break sometimes from your art and live a little, you know. And then the question we normally like to wrap up on is, how do you measure success? With a ruler? I honestly, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, honestly, I love what I do. I've enjoyed making comics and writing for so long. I have such a uh, blessed life because of it. It, it just... It, it, it brings me peace to create, and it brings me joy. So, I mean, when that's what you're doing to pay the bills, I, that's that's pretty good definition of success. Yes, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Okay. So, um, finally, where can people find you guys online? Oh, um, I'm on Instagram uh, and Twitter, uh, at smyer, at S-M-Y-E-R comics. And... Um, my website is sarahmeyer.net, S-A-R-A-H-M-Y-E-R.net. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, uh, Twitter and Instagram, my at is just my name, Eric Burnham, E-R-I-K, Burnham. There we go. It's, it's, it's very simple, but it's that K that throws people. All right. Thank you guys very much. Oh, thank, thank you. you. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right. Thanks for that, guys. And then the last interview that I, this was actually the last interview I did at New York Comic Con too, uh, is Kathleen Venable. Um, and she has a, a graphic novel out called Kate and the Cat Sitter. And that, that is a graphic novel that's out from Random House. They're, they're getting into the comic book genre now, the, doing the graphic novels. And basically, it's about a girl who is a cat sitter, speaking of cats, and that... Um, <laughs> she just held up a Cat. Was that a kitten or a cat? That's a cat. She's nine years old. Oh, okay. um, it, that's a uh, random cat. I just all of a sudden <laughs> that finds out that the cats all have superpowers. It's a, uh, it's an all ages book and it's a lot of fun. So, oh my god, that reminds me of a old web comic called Sluggy, where they did the kitten arc. It was poor little kittens. They've lost their mittens and now you all must die. <laughs> so. <laughs> Without further ado, here's Colleen. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Okay, we are here and at 
in the press room. The Crystal Palace. The Crystal Palace <laughs> at New York Comic Con. We are talking with Colleen Venable, Hello. author of Katie the Cat Sitter. Yes. How are you doing? I'm great. Good to be here. I'm so glad this con is back. Look at all the costumes. I was about to say, um, what are you thinking of the convention this year? Did you... Have you been here before? I have. Were you here in 2020 or 2021, I mean? I was not. I skipped 2021, but I've been here every single year other than that, including the first year when it got shut down by the fire department. If you were here that year. Yep. I was here that year. Yeah. I was outside for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was here last year. It didn't feel the same, obviously. Yeah. It does feel like we're back, though. Absolutely. You know? I mean, not everyone's here. Dark Horse and DC don't have booths set up. And you can feel that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you know, Marvel's here. Uh, Warner Brothers does have stuff set up, so yeah. you know, it's 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 been fun. It's been crazy. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> Seriously, and this is one of my first years not doing a table or a booth. So I have a panel uh, okay. tomorrow, and I'm going to go to panels, like other people's panels. This is like very foreign to me because <laughs> usually I'm working. So. So okay, for the people that are listening, uh-huh. what is the elevator pitch for Katie the Cat? Oh. Uh, Okay, how do I say it? I haven't said this in a while. Um, a 12-year-old girl trying to raise money for camp, and she does some odd jobs in her building, and her neighbor offers her to cats it. This is a long elevator ride. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is very odd because her, her building is a pet-free building. Okay. And even more odd when she finds out her neighbor has 217 cats, and they are not normal cats. These are cats with strange powers. And she's starting to think maybe her neighbor is not who she thinks she is. So... I'll stop there, I guess. So it's it's very much like, it's very goofy. It's very much inspired. I was a big fan of The Tick growing up, and I loved the, okay. the wacky superheroes of that world. But I also love, I love angsty books about 12-year-olds and dealing with friendship and dealing with all the parts of being 12 that are so hard. So, so what was the inspiration then for the book? I mean, partially, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I love Catwoman. Okay. I loved Eartha Kitt's Catwoman specifically, and I was always like, First of all, why doesn't she have, like, hundreds of cat minions? Because that would be so cool. (laughs) And also, like, I always thought of her as not really a villain. And I wanted to have a book that kind of, like, blurred that line. Because in my book, uh, The Mousetress, not Catwoman, of course, uh, The Mousetress is an animal rights activist. So the stuff she's doing is, yes, it's things that might, from the outside thing, look like crimes, but they're actually not. She's saving these animals or she's exposing people doing illegal things. Um, So she's kind of, in some ways, more like... You know, she's a hero, and I love the idea that there are no real heroes, there are no real villains, there's gray areas everywhere. So that was kind of the inspiration, but I also love the idea of, like, how do you become these heroes? You never find right. out, like, unless it's something where they, like, fell into radioactive goo or, you know, right. things like that. So it's like, how does a 12-year-old train to be a sidekick? How do they become their own hero? And um, there's a lot more of that in the books coming up where you see the training and maybe Katie's not the greatest at it and I think that's also very realistic to being a kid and like it's hard to learn new things so how much of you is in Katie um I actually am more like a side character that you don't see that much yet but there's a character Lupe okay who is like um she's probably the character that every single adult in her life is like oh my gosh please just calm down (laughs) she's very hyper she's very crafty um I'm not as angsty as Katie. I'm just, uh, I love Katie. And a lot of Katie was inspired by, like, growing up, I didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, um, I did do odd jobs all the time to help pay for anything I wanted. You know, I didn't get an allowance at all. So if right. I wanted to do anything, I had to, you know, water my neighbor's plants. Or I had to, like, weed their garden. Or I had to pet sit, which is 
again, the inspiration for that. So there is part of me that's Katie, but I think she is um, a little more serious than I am in some ways. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a very honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, okay. Um, when we end the podcast, mm -hmm. we normally say, don't let your cape come the door, which has <laughs> become our motto, meaning don't let shortcomings or things get in your way of achieving your goals. Yeah. So what is something you've overcome in your life to achieve your goals? Oh, man. Um, I mean, a big thing is definitely growing up with without much. You know, my parents both worked jobs. I was a latchkey kid, just like Katie in the book. Um, I stayed at the library every day after school as free babysitting. So I was there for four hours. Poor librarians. I feel so bad for them. Um, but they figured out what kind of books to give me to kind of calm me down and get me to really focus. And I think that was a big thing to, like, realize that there... It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you have. You know, there's a world of books out there. And if you try and try and try, you can actually make this a career, which, you know, I wrote like 30 books before I ever got anything published. And I think just growing that thick skin and like enjoying the process. And I think that's the thing that okay. puts me apart from other writers is I'm laughing the entire time I'm writing. I am having so much fun. <laughs> and I think it comes across in the pages. So um, that's definitely something... I had to overcome and just getting over that self-doubt of showing people. Like, I always knew I loved to write, but I didn't like showing people because yeah. you don't want to have that rejection. You know, you don't want to have that person telling you that the thing you spent months and months working on is horrible. And True. Yeah. So what's something that, I mean, obviously this is, this is written for young uh, children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's something you hope that they take away from it? I hope they take away, like, you know, gaining confidence doing things that you're maybe not great at right away and just kind of learning and also realizing that every single person out there, there's no such thing as a good guy and a bad guy. Right. There's some people that make, make it pretty clear they might be <laughs> one or the other, but <laughs> in general, like everybody's, you know, different and you don't know what's happening in people's lives behind, behind, well, in this case, yes. secret entrances, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just like giving everybody the benefit of the doubt and just learning and growing up and believing in yourself. True. true. That's something that's very difficult to do, though. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think it's something you do have to learn young. Yeah. And you got to work on it your whole adult life, too. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I still have days I wake up and I'm like, like an intense imposter syndrome. Be like, do I wait? Did I really make a book? Like, is this my name? <laughs> like, whenever anybody tells me they read my book, I have a moment of being like, do you know my mom? Like, how'd you find out about it? You know, it's like, I still don't believe it. I still don't believe that this is that there's kids all over reading these books because I never met an author growing up, I never, you know, um, they were, I thought they were all dead. <laughs> I was like, authors are alive. Oh my gosh, I could be one. Oh my gosh. Um, and I never knew that like these paths existed. I didn't know that like, if I knew colorist was a job, oh my gosh, I would have been a, a comic book colorist. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad I went this path, but still. Yeah. So, um, sorry. So I'm trying to think like, Oh, Sorry, that's the question. Um, <laughs> it's one, you have one book out now. Two. There two, are two out. Two. Oh, yes. okay, okay. Katie, um, two. Best friends so for never. <laughs> do you have a plan? Do you know how far you want to go with this? I do. Uh, we are going to book five. Okay. Um, it takes Steph, uh, Steph, you, who does all the books. She draws the books. Uh, it takes them a very long time to draw. Yes. And they are tired. <laughs> so, uh but we, I already finished book four. Um, the script is is off. Steph is drawing it. 
Um, I'm trying to figure out what book five is, and there's definitely possibility for more beyond that, but we know definitely five is going to be it. Like, it's building up to something really, really cool, and I got to figure out exactly how that works. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very nervous to start writing book five, but I'm going to start writing very soon. So there's a lot more coming, and it's, it's very hard for me to contain my excitement. Like, I keep talking about Lupe, who's a big character in book three, and everybody's like, oh, she was in, like, four panels, and I was like, you're going to get to know Lupe. <laughs> so. Do you have any other project, any other irons in the fire, any other projects that you're working on? Uh, I have ones I'm not allowed to talk about yet, oh, but I okay. will get to talk about soon. Um, I actually have a, a humor book for adults coming out, which has got a cartoonist doing the art, which I can't announce yet, but I'm really excited about this cartoonist. Okay. This is like the hard part with publishing. you got to be quiet about things for a while. Um, that is actually called The Swayze Year. Okay. And it's a book that goes every year from age 35 to age 100 and has one person every year that got their big break at that age. And it's oh, wow. really funny. And it kind of has a tone of like your best friend being like, shut up, you're not old. Um, but I'm really, really excited about it. So, um, yeah, that was just an odd non-kids book I'm doing. So, And I have a couple other things lined up. Um, so there will be more. And hopefully soon I can talk about it. I actually, lo <laughs> I actually love that idea because... Um, I was, I'm obviously a comic book fan, but always a fan of Stanley himself. Yeah. And like a lot of people don't realize, Fantastic Four, the first number one, wasn't published until he was in his 40s. Yeah. Which like, everybody's like, oh, if you haven't made it in your 20s, it's never going to exactly. happen. It's like, no, like Tolkien did Lord of the Rings when he was 62. Correct. Like you got some time. <laughs> like, and it's, it's a really fun, inspirational book, but also just like, it's a great chance to highlight a lot of people that I've always admired and, yes. you know, um, find stories of people like there was like this guy that's 72 and he like took up kayaking randomly wow. and he wound up being the best in the world. And everyone he was competing against was in their 20s or 30s. And he was like, doo, 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 and just like he never knew that he was like meant for kayaking. So it's like the stories like that you find out, you know, there's a guy that climbs Mount Fuji every year barefoot. And he's done it wow. up to age 99, you know. It's, so it's a nice uh, thing to be like, if you really believe in something and you really want to do it, there's so much time. So I'm going to ask you the obvious okay. question you're always asked. Who inspires or um, influences your writing? Oh, man. I mean, I actually read a lot of plays, which is I actually went to college for playwriting, which taught me a ton about writing comics. Um, so I've been a huge fan of, you know, Jules Pfeiffer's old plays, okay. uh, Edward Albee. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, people that have like kind of that dark sense of humor, yes. kind of goofy, but I'm also like a big comedy nerd. I'm very inspired by Mel Brooks, by Gilda Radner. Um, and I just really love like Madeline Kahn. So in terms of the comics world, um, I think Victoria Jameson is probably one of my absolute favorites. Roller okay. Girl blew my mind. All's fair in middle school. If you haven't read that and you're into Ren Fair, it is so delightful. Um, and also, when stars were scattered, like, broke my heart and made me cry. So she's absolutely one of my favorite comic book creators making books right now. Um, and there's so many more. I mean, I'm just like Mariko Tamaki, um, Amiko Superstar. I give a shout out to that book every time I can because it was done by, oh my gosh, I'm going to name the name of the... They did uh, Plain James, Cecil Castellucci's book. It was the DC imprint that existed for like a day. Was it like Minx or something? Oh, I forgot the name, sure. but they did an imprint. I want to say in 2006 or 2007. It was all female cartoonists. <clears throat> really, really great lineup. And it closed within a year. But it was like, that's where Cecil Castellucci did Plain James. That's where uh, Mariko did this amazing book too. So I always think like, I want that imprint to exist. 
So, <laughs> sorry. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the other question. I'm sure you get this kind of a lot, but it, it is a different world today. Um, but as a female writer, you know, and I wouldn't even say, especially with children's books, it, yeah. it's not male dominated. Uh, but comics yeah. is still pretty much male dominated. Yes. Um, what would you say to a young uh, girl who want to get into this? To like, how how can they get started? Start? Well, the best thing that I love seeing is um, there's so many colleges now that actually offer like degrees in cartooning. And if you look at the number of students now, male to female ratio, it's almost 50-50. Like, I think 10 years from now, we're going to have a whole generation of like female and non-binary like cartoonists that are going to just blow everybody out of the water. Well, I'm sure there'll be some good male cartoonists too, but, <laughs> um, but it's, it's amazing. And I think because these are girls that grew up on manga. They're girls that grew up on Raina Talgemeier's books. You know, they, they had these, like, you know, idols to watch and be like, that is a possible career, which didn't exist that much when I was a kid. Like, I had to hide the fact that I read comics, you know? Or, like, if anybody asked me, I'd be like, it's a soap opera. It's a... X-Men is not really a comic. <laughs> <laughs> which I still love. Um, but, yeah, it definitely was, like, I found out as an adult all my other female friends that read comics in high school, and none of us told each other. <laughs> That's, that's that's funny. I've never thought about cool. that. It's cool to know comics. Because yes. like, I was a big fan of She-Hulk growing up. And I loved the fact she broke the fourth wall. I am so into that nerdy meta stuff. Um, I know Daredevil does it too, but She-Hulk does it better, whatever. Um, <laughs> or not Daredevil. Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool does it. No, Daredevil does not do it. Sorry, I was thinking the most recent episode. Um, Deadpool is don't, cool. He's fine. Don't spoil it. I ha I've been here. I have not I will watched not spoil it at all. Episode, and I know I that's not. the one with uh, Daredevil in it. I will not spoil <laughs> anything. I'm very big in not spoiling. But um, <laughs> it's just really nice to have that be so mainstream. Because I had had a framed uh, first issue of She-Hulk on my wall for the last 20 years. Oh, wow. And most of the time people think it's a joke. They think it's a spoof. They see it on my wall and they're like, oh, oh look at that thing you got made. Like, it's a fake Hulk. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> I have to explain She-Hulk. So I think I think we're living in a world where it's not, it's actually cool to be into comics. And yeah. that wasn't true in the 80s and 90s. You know, yeah. you, like, now it's like you go to Barnes & Noble and what is one of the biggest sections? Like, comics and manga. Like, the manga aisle is giant, too. So it's a different world. And it's exciting. I, yeah. I mean, I actually remember coming to my first Comic-Con in 1999. And just being in a place full of people who love the same thing I did. Yeah. And you feel comfortable. So, so different than anywhere else I've ever been. And then I, I do have to say, like, first X-Men movie came out, then Spider-Man. Yeah. And then the Fantastic Four. It became pop culture. Yeah. And it's grown. And now it's okay to say, yeah, I like comic books. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And so. the number of people that understand Loki, the number of people that, like, know about the Mandalorian now like it's like things that you used to like know as a kid but you're like I'm this like quiet nerd that I'm well I was never quiet but uh, I was just <laughs> I was quietly a nerd I was like outwardly a jock which I find funny <laughs> but you know um that's how I paid my way through college was I was a swimmer which is so weird to me it was like oh but um always a book nerd and always really really loved all these things and you know Star Wars is so big now too and it's just it's the biggest things in the world are nerd culture things. The richest people in the world are all nerds. It's, yes, it's a very strange shift. Granted, they maybe could use their money better rather than going to space, but, you know, <laughs> no, no judgment here. <laughs> <laughs> 
or in giant spaceship shape like penis? Yeah, that was a choice. That was an absolute <laughs> choice. They, someone must have noticed, right? That couldn't have been like they saw the photos and they were like, oh, God. <laughs> like, someone noticed, right? Uh, All right. Well, the yeah. question that we normally like to wrap up on okay. is how do you measure success? Oh, man. I mean, for me, I kind of measure it both in my own happiness and in hearing from kids and hearing that one of my books, you know, helped them through a hard time or really made them laugh or made them happy or just like they get so excited when the new ones come out. So it's making those connections and thinking of myself as that kid that found these books, you know, like the Calvin and Hobbes when I was a kid, I was really into Muppet comics, you know, I was really into Peanuts. Um, and the idea that I'm having the same impact on kids is just that success there. So I think it doesn't matter for me, the money, it doesn't matter for me, you know, getting things made into movies. I already have success because I know that the librarians out there have these books in the libraries and so many kids are reading them. Like, I always feel bad that I get more excited when I see my book in the library than I do in a bookstore. Because <laughs> I'm like, for me as a kid, I owned, yeah. I owned two books. That's all I owned. And they were hand-me-downs. Right. And one was a monster at the end of this book. The other one was a book uh, called Believing in Yourself about the guy that uh, invented the cure for rabies. I don't know. Don't read that one. It was terrifying. <laughs> it was terrifying. Don't look it up. Okay. Um, but I didn't, we didn't have any money for things like that. So for me, like thinking of my book as being one of the ones in the library that I spent all that time in every single day, it just blows my mind. Like, I feel like I could retire tomorrow and be like, I did it. I'm not going to, cause I love writing, but, um, I feel like that's the, that's the way I measure success, like happiness and spreading happiness. And I love doing funny books because there's something so amazing about being able to make someone laugh that just is, is the greatest power in the world. And, you know, um, I feel really grateful for being able to put these books out there and have kids read Katie all over. That's awesome. So for those listening, where's the best place that they can find Katie? Uh, I mean, at your library, at your bookstore. Uh, you can also go to the Random House website. If you look for Katie the Cat Sitter, they have a list of all the different places to buy it there. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place. Or if you happen to be at, you know, I'm going to be in Mice in Boston and Boston Book Fest. And so I'm at cons. So if you ever want to go to con, come up to the table and say hi. It's always great. And um, yeah, that's probably the best place to find everything. And then where can people find you online? Uh, I am at Colleen AF on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everything. Uh, in case people are wondering, my middle name is Ann Felicity. <laughs> so uh, I have a cousin named Colleen Venable. So we always go by our middle names. So. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. This is great. Sorry, Colin. No, Colleen. That's right. Duh. I can't talk tonight. All right. Well, thank you for that, Colleen. And uh, yes, that's all the interviews. There is going to be, um, obviously, the holidays are coming up. and We're going to take our two weeks off like we always do. But there will be a special episode that comes out while we're uh, on break, which will be the uh, um, press room I did for the Mortal Kombat uh, Snowblind, um, where I talked to the cast of those guys, of that cartoon. So that's it, guys. That is the show this week. So, so let's wrap it up with some recommendations. Or what did we learn this week, John? Did we learn anything this week? Um, I learned that I should just uh, not bother arguing about anime anymore. <laughs> Parents. Apparently, apparently being in the community for 40 years doesn't count for anything. Like everybody seems to not want to 
you know, they, they just want to hear their, their own opinions about that. Uh, and, you know, you know, so, uh, yeah. Also, uh, my, my recommendation, uh, I just saw bullet train today while I was wrapping gifts. I got a book from the, I got the next book from the guy that wrote bullet train sitting downstairs waiting for me. So well, that's the, the one with, um, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it was a really fun movie. Is that it's the fun. one where there's a lot of also weird cameos in it? Uh, or is that action. Gray Man? What? It's an action movie. It's an action movie. Well, I, I know that uh, Ryan Reynolds is involved in it because he had a uh, he had like yeah, a yeah. three second cameo. In That's it. what I'm saying. There's a lot of like little cameos I've heard in 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 Bullet Train. Yeah, and it's and and based on the movie, I would say that JD is going to really enjoy the second book, and now I'm going to want to get that book. Well, it's so, actually not. I don't think it's a sequel book. I think it's just another book from the writer well yeah but even so like if if he wrote that bullet train like he's he's got a fun style at least i mean yeah that's what i hear so um i'm probably the book is better than the movie even considering so yeah uh i would recommend that it's on netflix and uh it's really fun it's it's a longish watch i think it's almost two hours but uh but it was really it's a popcorn movie get popcorn sit down and just enjoy it's a it's a wild ride okay. on a bullet train, in fact. <laughs> All right, how about you, JD? There's a lot of people out there that don't like John and I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what fine. you learned. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. Uh, I like hearing some criticism. Got to get better. So. I like you, JD. I like you too, John. So <laughs> at least we have each other. Yeah, <laughs> you can kill me again anytime. <laughs> I can't wait to kill you again. <laughs> Any recommendations? Um. I am reading Silence of the Lambs, and I've read Red Ooh. Dragon multiple times throughout my life. I've seen Manhunter many, many times. So I've always had this thing where that is the superior story, even though Silence of the Lambs gets all the credit. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading Silence of the Lambs for the first time, and it's a really good book. I really like it a lot. It's excellent. It does an interesting job of making you, of creating sympathy for the devil, but in a way that you don't like, where he's still not a good guy, because it's really more of a lector book. And like, Lecter steals the show in the book almost as much as in the original, as in the, the Jonathan Demi movie, mm-hmm. but he does it in a way where you don't like sympathy. Like there's sympathy for the devil because he's interesting, but like at no point are you convinced he's the hero. Okay, it's, it's a good book. It's a really good book. It's thirty some years old, but it's still excellent. Hmm. Cool. Cool. All right. I learned that uh, I'm the only one on the show that's liked. I, you know, it's 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 a tough cross to bear, guys. It's, it really is. I know I'm going to get so much shit for that <laughs> on social media this week. <sighs> um, Whatever you say, fearless leader. <laughs> yep. And I like you guys. Yes, master. I like you guys. You know. Um, Please and don't I, give us the hose again. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I can tolerate absences. You know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, Jesus. And just remember, none of us are getting paid for this shit. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> This is all a hobby. Yeah, we do it to ourselves on purpose. That's right. We're sadistic. I will recommend that you go to superheroespeak.com where you can find the podcast every week. Uh, links to all our social media at the top of the page. News. I have uh, been going crazy trying to post news articles lately, so I'm going to be one or two a day going forward. Um, I found a, a, a great way to do it, and I'll, I'll explain that to these guys later. Uh, I don't want to give away all my secrets on air. Come on. Um, and comic book reviews by our good friend, Kristen. Uh, he, we just put one up 
uh, the other day, Batman 130. Uh, there'll be more coming this week. So yeah, go check those all out. It's 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 a fun place. It's a happening place. It's, it's the place to be. Uh, I will also recommend. I just started watching it this week with my girlfriend. We are only a few episodes in. I am enjoying it so far. Wednesday. Um, you know, now that I'm watching it with her, I can't jump ahead. And she said she won't jump ahead. So I'm like, okay. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, she, she's digging it, but she says it doesn't feel like the Adams family to her, but she's also basing it on the television show, not the original yeah, strip. Th- this is, this is much more based on the original comic strip. Yeah. And, uh, and it's also, it's, it's more based on the original comic strip, but also advancing the characters where, Wednesday's not a kid anymore. She's now a teenager and you're dealing with all the stuff that goes along with that too. So, yep. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely made for a more mod- modern audience and I'm okay with that. You know, it's how this stuff works, but yeah, definitely. If, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. It's definitely worth a watch. I'm kind of curious what, how this mystery in the show turns out, but I won't, I won't spoil anything here. So, all right, that is it. So on that note, as always, Thanks for listening, and don't let you keep caught in the door. Have a good week.